Welcome to Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Robbie Straczynski, and thanks so much for joining us once again on episode number 26 of Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town. On this episode, we have the pleasure of welcoming Norman Chad, a beloved TV poker personality. Norman has been a mainstay of the World Series of Poker main event commentary team, along with Lon McCarran, since Chris Moneymaker's big win back in 2003. His humor continues to entertain us after all these years, and his commitment to comedic bits is only exceeded by his commitment to being one of the nicer guys in our industry. Norman, welcome to the Cards Chat Podcast. It's good to see you. Good to see you, Robbie. As uh, we can see, my career winds down. It comes down to being on episode 26 <laughs> of the Cards Chat Podcast. That's where I'm at these days. I'm glad we're able to uh, squeeze the most out of it and, and keep everything going for you, Norman. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a fun hour. I'm certainly looking forward to it. I've, look, I've been looking forward to it for exactly 24 hours, I must say. So uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Wow. So uh, I hope you haven't been up for those entire 24 hours. You look terrific if you have to. <laughs> but you really, should, you really should sleep in anticipation of my presence. Okay. <laughs> Okay, well, that's a message to all of us, not just me. So hopefully everyone's rested and excited to get right into it. Um, well, Norman, I'm happy to see you now, but most of us, we've missed seeing you on our TVs uh, with uh, the World Series of Poker not having happened in its usual capacity. Uh, but, of course, your followers on Twitter have certainly seen lots of you. You've been very active there. Um, you've been providing a very open look, actually, at your life during this pandemic. So, uh, let me ask you, how has this last year uh, or so been for you? Uh, as with, with with most people, it's been the most unusual year, uh, as I can ever recall. Uh, and with a lot of people, it's been pretty tough. Uh, so obviously the pandemic, the quarantining. Uh, my wife was uh, went back east to the D.C. area, and me and her have only seen each other. Uh, to her benefit, for only one time in the last 11 months, uh, and then uh, it's just our, 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 our dog passed away. Uh, we didn't do the World Series of Poker. I stopped doing my Washington Post column, which I've been doing since like the 18th century. Uh, I got COVID. I got through it without major complications, but the after effects have been lingering and pretty brutal, uh, which is the case for a lot of people that people don't seem to understand how bad the after effects can be. Just very, uh, very exhausting and fatiguing. And uh, that brings us up to this new nadir where i'm sitting here talking with you on a beautiful day here in the los angeles area which has just uh, gotten a little bit cloudy by your presence i i understand as far as the um not having seen your wife for you know just once in this whole year it's very taxing obviously is this because you're a little wary of uh, traveling on planes and you know just a cross-country trip really isn't in the cards at the moment yeah it's, just, it's been it's been covid related so there's there's covid issues on both, you know, we weren't going to travel for a while. Uh, uh, my stepdaughter's with my wife, and she has some medical issues, which got a, she's high risk for COVID. So we have not been able to, to get together. Uh, what I usually do is I, I sext her while she's asleep at about one thirty or two o'clock in the morning, and that seems to work for both of us. Uh, so uh, it's been pretty good. Brilliant love. That's what's great about uh, you know being three time zones apart, and you can always you know if the joke didn't work, you can delete it right away and then you know try again. So that that's always very good. That's what we're doing here on this show. This is actually the fourth iteration. 
So uh, thank you, Norman, for your patience. Um, how about, uh, you know, obviously the, the good news, you know, thankfully we've kind of turned the corner, so to speak. There is a vaccine out there. Are we, are we looking, you know, for yourself, your family, and, you know, we're, we're close or you're like, you know, 700 millionth in line or something like that? Yeah, and that's problematic. So the, 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 the vaccine shot, for instance, for my stepdaughter uh, is not a slam dunk because there could be a side effects that, that, that affect her medical condition. So I don't know if she's getting it. My wife is not uh, always happy about getting shots. Uh, I assume she'll get it. I am not first in line. First of all, I had COVID, so right now right. I still have the antibodies. Uh, right now, first in line in California is 65 and over, and in California is having a lot of problems uh, getting out the vaccine shot. Uh, it just has not been administrated very well. So I'm not anywhere close to the top of the line, and I'll just get it when I get it. Okay, I hear that makes sense. And like you said, this is the kind of you know, subject that cannot really be ignored. It's the kind of thing that all of our listeners, viewers, you know, anyone, you know, even if you're not listening or watching, even you have also dealt with this sort of uh, pandemic. And, you know, it's just, it's interesting to hear. Now, again, beyond the Norman chat that we all know from the last many years, it's curious, uh, you know, how you, how this last year has been for you, um, notwithstanding all of these not good things that have happened, um, you did have kind of a cool bright light, uh, a beacon of positivity that you started, uh, the Uka Luka. Uh, it started kind of as a fun little dance. Uh, it's something that uh, I, uh, myself and my son uh, participated in uh, virtually during the summer as well. Why don't you tell us the origin story behind it? And maybe you can give us the latest on how it's grown into, you know, the, the, the latest Macarena and uh, this uh, wonderful charity fundraiser that you've done. Yeah, it happened. Actually, you know, it's like good for me coming out of bad because I was in a bad place because of uh, the quarantine, my wife being across the country, losing our dog. Uh, I suffer from severe depression. So just being by myself during the early parts of uh, the pandemic were really tough. And so I just decided that this, you know, this darkness cannot continue. Uh, I do like to make up songs and, and do stuff that I know my stepkids used to go crazy in the car when I'd start singing about, you know, traffic in Maryland uh, to a top 40 song. And they said, oh, come on, just, you know, get us to the goddamn bowling alley. Uh, so I, yeah, they're not great. So I just decided just to pick myself up as much as anything else, just while sitting here every day that I would start to do this ridiculous song and dance. I can't sing, I can't dance, but I was going to do this. Ufa, Ufa. Uh, thank you. Uh, and by the way, thank you for when you did do it with your son, everybody else who's done it has done it at a quality level. I have very low bar, much higher than when I do it. So it's very enjoyable to see other people do their interpretations of just just sort of celebrating uh, just life and just trying to celebrate positivity. And it took me out of a funk to do it. And my intention in doing it on a daily basis was eventually to find a charity function for it. So uh, I started doing it way back. I've done 150 of them now. So whatever, six, seven, eight months ago, I started doing them five, six, seven times a week. Uh, I got some help from uh, from Tara Kern. I got some help from Jesse Fullen, who helped me set up the, the charity function. And now every month when I do it, we, we pick out a charity and we ask people to contribute to the charity. So we've been doing that for the last three or four months. And it just makes me feel good. I, I get a lot of grief about it. Some people, some of the poker players that I've asked to do it say, you know, I don't feel like I'm embarrassing myself. Uh, that's that, that dance is really pretty stupid. So I understand all that. Uh, people told me it's, you know, just it, it's going to be on the internets forever. So you're going to look really bad. Oh, wow. That's going to really hurt me. You know, when I'm, 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 when I'm six and a half feet under, I'm going to wonder about people you know, making fun of me because I was doing the Uka Luka 70, 70 years earlier. So I really enjoyed doing it. Uh, the charity function is, is just 
gives it another purpose. And I'll keep doing it probably for the rest of this year. And I was just hoping that somebody with some real singing or dancing talent could decide to pick it up and actually make it something closer to the Macarena. But I haven't pursued that yet uh, to get some you know, some music to it and some real people to it. But it's it's been a pleasure for me. It just makes me feel really, really better. Anytime I record them, I feel much better that day when I record a bunch of them in one day. I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. And for those who, are, who have not seen it, uh, the viral craze, you can find it. Hashtag Uka Luka. It's O-O-K-A-L-U-K-A. Uh, you can find that on Twitter. And there's, like Norman said, tons of videos he's made and a whole bunch of personalities from the poker world as well. Um, I know it's Black History Month. We're in February. I believe this month's charity is related to that in some way. Uh, I'd like to say that that was planned. Uh, but uh, as it turned out, it's just by accident. But yeah, it is Black History Month and, and charity. And this week's month's charity is changeofcolor.org, which uh, helps fight uh, racial injustice. They help individuals, they help businesses. They've done a lot of great work. So uh, we've done, again, we've done stuff for uh, adopted dog facilities. Uh, we've done stuff for the, the poker the poker community at the beginning, the poker dealers who were out of work. We'll do stuff on the mental health issue. And we'll just keep rolling over to a different charity uh, each month. But uh, yeah, it's uh, Black History Month. So change of color is a, a great thing to take a look at and see the work that they've done. Brilliant. That's certainly the basically the definition of making lemonade out of lemons. Uh, I think that's really wonderful. And again, please check it out, everyone. And maybe go ahead and put your own ooka together and, and put that out there in the world. Um, I know I felt kind of ridiculous doing it with my son, but it certainly made my son smile, made me smile. And, uh, you know, the whole internet has plenty of fodder to make fun of me for the rest of my life. It's good stuff. Um, another new thing that's uh, that's been going on for you, I'm speaking to a fellow podcaster now. You've got the Gambling Mad podcast, which you started back in the fall. How did that start? What was the inspiration for that? Well, I've been always been looking for other outlets in, in terms of sports broadcasting or something you know, other than poker. I've, I've been a sports writer for a long time, so other things interest me. So I actually for years was trying to do sort of a, a podcast uh, or a show in which is was, was a different take on the the uh, the sports debate shows that we have, like Pardon Interruption, Around the Horn and First Take and all those things, where it was a little more humor based and a little more entertaining and uh, a little more closer to how I would do poker. I used to write a football column where I did picks, but I wasn't serious about it. So I always looked to do that. And then the gambling, the gambling space is really growing uh because of a supreme court decision in the u.s uh two or three years ago so sure. gambling comes naturally to me obviously i love talking about gambling i don't like doing analytics in gambling or or serious picking but i like to again talk about gambling from a more casual entertaining standpoint so i thought i could create a character which is uh, very close to me in which i'm sort of a, a combination of jim kramer from uh, mad money on cnbc the crazy guy picking the stocks and then one of my favorite films from a long time ago, Network, uh, had a character, Howard Beale, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Sort of an over-the-top network broadcaster who kind of preaches. I thought I'd put those two things together and I'm gambling mad. I can talk about the gambling world. I can talk about poker. I can talk about sports. I can talk about culture. And uh, it's, again, very enjoyable to do. I get a, a, a group of people who then are experts or experts in various areas whether it's picking football games whether it's watching late night tv whether it's food they come on almost like correspondents and we just have a bunch of fun and so i did start doing that uh, on a weekly basis as you said uh late last year and i'm doing that uh, continually right now and it's a great outlet for me 
That's really wonderful. I'm, that's the thing. I'm wondering, is it more, is it just so that you have an outlet and you have fun or do you have any other additional goals or, or aims with this uh, podcast? Oh, I'd like, I mean, I've been fortunate enough during my professional career to always have a pretty large stage, pretty large form just by accident. Uh, so I like having a larger stage. So yeah, I hope gambling mad is something that can catch on. And uh, cause there's, there's going to be a lot of gambling content out there and most of it is going to be analytics and nerds and people crunching the numbers. And I literally use a, a match, a magic eight ball I'm looking at. I got a Ouija board to my left. I just ordered it on Amazon. Uh, I will use my dog blue uh, to do picks as well. So yeah, we do it the other way. Plus we're going to do more than picking games. We're going to do everything else out there. So yeah, I, it's besides being a great creative outlet, I do hope it catches on. And uh, as I, transition at some point out of poker i can transition into this gambling, gambling interesting program. well we hope it's uh complimentary and not uh, a transition out of poker we love you too much norman but uh we are going to mention some poker stuff now we're going to ease into those sorts of topics um and i mentioned that the reason we didn't see you uh on our tvs recently is because the wsop didn't exactly happen in its traditional form last year but it doesn't mean you weren't a part of it can you kind of give us uh, maybe an update when we'll hear from you and, and from Lon doing commentary on the unique version of the World Series main event that was put together before the end of last year? Uh, yeah, I've got, uh, I've got good news and bad news for you. So they are taping the, the 2020 main event, which essentially happened in December uh, with the two iterations of it, the, uh, the international final table, the U.S. final table, and then the the heads up between the U.S. champion and the international champion. That all happened at the end of December. So there are four episodes of those that will be on ESPN2 at the end. Actually, they're going to first air on one night, February 28th, uh, for four straight hours. Okay. <clears throat> the bad news is that Lon will be doing them. Uh, so you'll have to hear Lon for four hours. The, and, but the good news is that I won't be doing them. So uh, oh. I, I took a pass this time. I was not, I could not make it to post uh, with mm. the COVID after effects and other stuff. Uh, I just wasn't up to speed. So, uh, and actually that was a late decision that was made. So they were actually taping them uh, this week as we tape this. And I'm not sure uh, who ended up working with Lon in the booth, uh, but I will not be doing them. Lon will be doing them. And there will be four hours of that main event, uh, the 2020 main event uh, airing on ESPN2 February 28th. Interesting. Well, of course, we're going to be sure to tune in. There certainly will be not. I never. I don't like the expression of big shoes to fill because everyone has their sort of their own style. But it'll certainly be interesting seeing uh, Lon have a non-Norman Chad partner on the other side of the broadcasting booth. Um, it's going to be tough. No, it's going to be tough because I would. I, I mean, I have I have puppet strings that we attach to Lon on the back of his neck. Now, I was not able to because of the quarantine. I was not able to get that to whoever is doing it with Lon. So that's going to be difficult for both of them. And you will see an unfettered Lon, an unpuppeteered Lon. And uh, I just hope he's sober and I hope he's uh, talking in English. Well, more Lon is better. That is uh, my mantra. I say it at least three times a day. And, uh, you know, when you click your heels, the... the uh broadcast is that much better. Um, is there something specific that you missed about not having a, a proper World Series of Poker last summer? Yeah, you know, it's it's weird. It, I did not know the World Series of Poker before we started doing it the moneymaker year. So it's not part of my life. And I came to it late. I came to tournament poker like I would have been uh, I would have been 44 years old 
uh, 17 years ago. So uh, then it became a part of my life. And even though I am very antisocial, asocial, I, you know, I do keep to myself. I'm not a real people person, as one might imagine. Uh, going to the World Series every year became something that became part of my summer and actually wandering around the main event and talking to people who were just thrilled to be there for the first time, thrilled to cash at the main event, walking around and talking to those people was always a joy and walking around and then meeting them and then sort of emotionally attaching yourselves to them as they made their way through another day or two was always fun, even though that's always bittersweet because as I like to say, everybody dies in the end. Nobody, you know, nobody can make it all the way to the final table. Virtually nobody does obviously. So you, you become attached to these people for a few days and then they're gone or that when they, when they bust, you feel very bad for them. But I really did enjoy and really do miss talking to these people. They're all so nice. They come from all over the world. And that's one of the joys of the World Series. And that kind of surprised me that I enjoyed doing that and missed that because, again, you know, I don't, you know, I don't go out and socialize. I don't go to parties. I don't go to bars. And it was hard for me at first to, to bring myself out to go do that. But once I started doing it, it became it just became part and parcel of what I do in the summer. To the part where I started, you know, I started giving away candy the last few years and I have lucky starbursts that I give people. And that helps the broadcast, too, because then I meet them and I talk with them and I can talk about them on the broadcast, live broadcast. And I love doing that. So I do miss that whole in, in mingling with the people uh, every summer. I hear that. Uh, and that's certainly something I miss as well. Anyone who's been to the World Series, is there's so much that they miss. Um, I believe I believe the majority of people, if you polled them, would say that in 2021, we will see some sort of live, proper World Series of Poker. It may or may not look like it's looked in the past. Would you care to speculate a little bit on what changes we may or may not see or if it's just going to be the same thing? Well, I think I think last year, by because of the, the pandemic, it actually ushered in what's going to be a new era in the World Series of Poker. So as you know, because we had no live presence in the summer, uh, the World Series of Poker decided to do 85 bracelet events online. Right. Prior to last year, we've been doing just a handful of bracelet events. It's part of the summer live series or whether it's detached to before or after uh, the World Series of Poker as we know it, there'll be an online series. I think we're going to now always see dozens and dozens of online bracelet events going forward, uh, which I think sort of speeds up the timetable of how that was going to happen. Uh, but I do anticipate that they, they do want to go live this year. It's going to be hard, I think, to go live as soon as the end of May, which is you know, the month of June. So I think they might push it back some, but I think the World Series is intending to go live and hopefully get it done in the summer again, just like it used to be. Interesting. Do you think it'll be uh, live with plexiglass and masks or, you know, again, it's just a lot of plexiglass in the pavilion room. That's, you know, the smaller rooms can do it. Again, that's a lot of plexiglass in the pavilion and in the Amazon. And uh, actually, when we used to have the uh, overflow in Buzios, that'd be interesting to have plexiglass at the seafood restaurant. You know, people, <laughs> spit, you know, lobster and crab get spit out. So that's probably a good idea. You know, Someone, you know when someone's check raising in Buzios, food comes out of their mouth. So that plexiglass could help. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to have the plexiglass. You know, that's, that's, that's definitely over my pay grade. Uh, you know, there might be, you know, temperature tests when you're walking in uh, as we do now, there might be plexiglass. Uh, who knows? I have no idea what their thinking is, but obviously they want to be as safe as possible. Sure. And uh, so plexiglass could be in our future as well as temperature tests and masks required and all, all that stuff. 
Hopefully the uh, poker chips themselves will certainly be cleaner than ever before. At least that uh, could be a nice silver lining. Um, a little bit of news from you. You know, you didn't make that broadcast with Lon, but there is something that you have been doing with Lon uh, with regard to a voiceover for a new video game. Is that right? Yeah, actually. So the World Series of Poker uh, contracts a video game out to uh, one of the larger uh, Play Playtica. Uh, which is like Activision does a lot of video gaming, uh, and so it's a world, it's a free World Series of Poker video game, you know, available on your phone and on your mobile app and all that. And uh, Lon and I have uh, been spokesman for him, uh, been associated with them the last two or three years, but they upped it up this year, and they're, uh, Lon and I are going to have a video presence on it, uh, where just different parts of the game are related to stuff that we're telling them to do to move up to different levels, and and they actually established a poker academy to help newbies. You know, who have never played poker before figure out what poker is so it's uh lon and i have been voicing that and uh play tika is actually an israeli uh, run company so uh i know you live in israel uh and uh you know you are from uh, the united states of america yeah. and uh, i've been dealing with real israelis who are delightful and play tika has been great to, to videotape uh, again this month we're doing another uh set of video taping for them in california and uh, that's available on phones and it's a free app and uh, it's a lot of fun and they do a great job. They, uh, they really are very creative and uh, they are tech savvy and uh, I really love working with the Playtica people. I think that's really great because, you know, there's so many poker games and poker apps and you know, all that stuff kind of comes out. And, you know, a whole bunch of us in recreational players beyond just watching the game, even playing home games, we like doing that kind of stuff. But that really is the difference maker and you know, investing in, hey, let's get, you know, Lon and Norm here to, you know, to provide the voiceovers that really makes it a exceptionally unique type of offering. Uh, so kudos to them for, for going ahead and shelling out a little dough. Uh, you know, giving you guys something to do and giving us uh, something that much more enhanced uh, to enjoy. Um, besides your work in the broadcast booth, sorry? I'm sorry? I didn't hear what you said. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I thought you froze or I thought I froze. No, it's okay. It's uh, no, no freezing. Uh, maybe we can even edit that out. And if not, hey, everyone knows that it's uh, not live, but, you know, uh, un unadulterated, unedited content here. Um, besides your work in the broadcast booth, Norm, um, we can always bank on seeing you in a few mixed game events. Uh, and last summer, somehow, you still managed to pull that off. Maybe you can regale us with some stories of your luxurious stay on the Nevada border. How was the Wi-Fi? Actually, the Wi-Fi was better than it is in my own home, but I have some of the worst Wi-Fi in the state of California. Thank you, AT&T. Uh, yeah, so when I decided to play the two mixed games that they had available during last summer's uh, WSOP.com version, of the World Series, the, the 38 odd events is, that you had to be in, in the state of Nevada or the state of New Jersey. When I decided to play those, I decided for creative purposes, you know, why go into Las Vegas? You have to be in the state of Nevada. Why go all the way into Las Vegas, which I do 8,000 times a year? Why don't I just go to the state line between California and Nevada where there's a casino, uh, Prim, uh, Prim Resort. I don't know what the resort part of Prim is, but Resort <laughs> Casino, uh, Prim Casino and Resort. Maybe the resort is the shower. Uh, when the shower is working. So I decided to go to Prim and just be at State Line, which is also about 30 or 40 minutes closer the drive from Los Angeles and play from the hotel room there. And I love to do that also because Phil Helm was making a big deal about he's, you know, he's in his Aria suite 
where, you know, they're feeding him strawberries and he's got a reef across them like that. And uh, bring me some more virgins. And he's just the, he's the man. And I said, okay, he's in his Aria suite and I'll be in my $35 a night room at Prim. So I went there twice to play and I had not cashed in the world series, by the way, in about five years, uh, I play three or four events a year. And I went, I cashed in both events from Prim, which yep. I will never, you know, I, when there's online events now, I may never go into Las Vegas again. I may just go to Prim. I'm a perfect two for two in Prim. And I almost, you know, I, I made the final two tables in the second event. I finished 13th. So two caches in two events. That's pretty good for me. And Prim sitting in a Prim room. Uh, I remember we had to call down the to housekeeping to bring us pillows. Uh, there were no pillows on the bed, I believe, but uh, it was just a different, it was just a different experience. And again, it came during COVID. So I did, you know, I literally just checked in and went to the room and never went into the casino proper, never did anything but check in and check out. Uh, and uh, a, another friend of mine who came to play, he actually went out the first trip we went and there's nowhere, there's nowhere to eat. In there's, there's no, there's no, at state line, it's just desert. There's just, they, you know, you plop down, it's what Bugsy Seasel, Buggy, Bugsy Seasel, Bugsy Siegel originally did with the Flamingo. He just plopped down this hotel in the middle of the desert. Well, the Prim, they just plopped down a hotel along Interstate 15. There's no town there. You're just, it's just, it's just, it's just scrub grass and, and all the stuff and lizards. So there's nowhere to really eat. So if you're not eating in the casino, we weren't going to the casino. He went in, in the parking lot. He's like a McDonald's. He brought. Hello. Are you still there? Yeah, we are having internet. I am. I think that is, uh, you, you mentioned, shout out to the California Wi-Fi Association. Last thing I heard was you said uh, the McDonald's that you were brought? Yeah, so we were not, I was not going to be going into the casino proper at any point. So my buddy, uh, Dennis uh, Bilodeau, uh, Orange County elected official here in California. He's an elected official. Okay, now he has been unopposed his last two or three elections, which is the only reason he wins. But he uh, went down to McDonald's and brought me back whatever quarter pounder or whatever i hadn't had mcdonald's in i don't know how long and then our next trip where i finished 13th he brought back carl's jr which tasted like mcdonald's to me uh but maybe i'll switch to carl's jr because i went much deeper in the event eating carl's jr so that's that's the food we ate mcdonald's and carl's jr and then i just got back in the car and drove back three and a half hours to los angeles uh, with my two caches. Amazing. I will also say shout out to uh, probably one of the most popular gas stations in the state of Nevada. Uh, it's also next to the hotel there. Popular because uh, the you know the prices in Nevada are so much lower than California. So a lot of people stop there. I know I've stopped there. Got a mug, souvenir. Um, I guess you'll be wearing same underwear, same room, same everything, same routine next year when uh, when you do that. Okay. One, I don't wear underwear. Going back to my uh, ancestors' days, they didn't wear underwear, so I like to do, you know, pay homage to the folks who came to America without underwear. No, I will not be staying in the same room, uh, same anything, same anything. Yeah, I'll be staying in Prim. I'll be staying in the same hotel. And again, since there's nowhere to eat, I may be eating McDonald's or Carl's Jr. again, but I'm not terribly superstitious. So I will not be tracing my exact steps again to is, the uh, luxurious uh, room that I had. That is fair. Well, well, Norman, your legendary call of Chris Moneymaker's win. It's beyond fairy tale, it's inconceivable, is something that could also be applied to you someday winning a WSOP bracelet. In the unlikely event that that should ever happen, do you already have a whole slate of jokes to make about it on future TV broadcasts? You know, other, <laughs> well, other people ask me about winning a bracelet, I never think about winning, I just never think about winning a bracelet. I have told people many, many times 
that when I made a final table, whatever, seven, eight years ago and finished sixth or seventh, that's like a bracelet for me. I never thought I'd make a final table. Mm. Now, apparently I have a chance to make it. I mean, if I finished 13th in an event this year and I finished 10th in another event and 12th or 14th, I've, I've made three other times the final two tables. So yes, I can make another final table. That would be thrilling for me. Uh, I never thought, uh, first of all, when I first cashed, a uh, min cashed however many years ago, I never thought I was going to cash in a World Series event. I couldn't believe how great it felt to cash. Mm. I didn't think it meant anything to me. But when I crawled over the money bubble and cashed with three chips, which I held, you know, like dear life, with, with for like like for dear life for the last 90 minutes that we played, I felt so good. And then I couldn't believe how good it felt to make a final table. Uh, that felt actually incredibly good. So if I ever make another final table, that'll be terrific. But no, I've never thought about uh, what speech I would make. Most of the speeches I've made in my life, by the way, have been impromptu. Sometimes they have been disasters. I, I've, I've spoken at wedding receptions where people go, no, 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 no. He's going to go up there. No, 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 no. And then I've either been terrific or I've been terrifyingly bad. Uh, so, yeah, I've never really thought about most speeches I make. I just like uh, shooting, shooting from the hip and just letting the chips fall where they may, so to speak. Well, you certainly have a, a unique, uh, inimitable style. I personally like it. And, and that's actually interesting. It dovetails sort of into my next question. You know, you've been doing what you do broadcast-wise for a very long time. It's pretty rare and praiseworthy, I think, to see the same person doing what you do in that role for so long. With that said, there has sort of been a change in the poker-watching audience. It's a lot less okay, a flush beats a straight. And, and I think there's a lot more understanding of the game of poker now. I'm wondering if at all you've sort of evolved your own broadcast style over the years. And if so, if you still have to sort of find a balance of sorts between catering to people who still may be coming into the game and new versus those who've tuned in year after year after year, such as myself, such as many of the folks here in the Cards Jack community. Yeah, uh, the short answer to your – there was a question in there somewhere. Uh, the short answer to the question at the beginning is no, I have not evolved uh, mm. to my credit or to my detriment. So the audience has become smarter about poker in general. There's no question about that. Uh, I am, you know, to my dying day convinced that the correct approach is not to get higher level analysis of what's going on with the game. I would say that about others, by the way, about other games I watch, baseball, basketball, football, golf, tennis. I believe still, especially with the main event, Robbie, to engage the widest audience possible to help the game stabilize and grow. You want to continue to be at a very low bar in terms of the strategy. You want to continue to be entertaining and, and, and engage the casual viewer. Uh, it is the main event. They want to see stories. They want to see characters. They like to see the money. The chips go back and forth. But as far as evolving in terms of getting smarter, in terms of talking about the strategy, I don't believe we should even think about that that much. And when we have evolved the broadcast, essentially they brought in somebody else to do that. And I understand that to try to reach that middle balance and there is a balance there where you can talk a little bit more about strategy and what play is going on good play and bad play and then you keep doing what i do if if you're going to default to one or the other particularly for the main event i do believe you default to throw out the strategy and just talk about the whole carnival that's going on and enjoy it that way uh, i know that bumps heads with a lot of people uh particularly the young po pokerati who do want to see more analysis more strategy I just think that's a big mistake. I've always thought it's a big mistake. And I think we're narrow audience uh, when we 
decide to get smarter and smarter with, oh, yeah, people know flush being a straight. So let's now talk about the metagame and uh, merging ranges and this and that. I just think that turns people off. Uh, most casual viewers are there for other reasons. Interesting. Well, it's important to speak your truth. And, you know, sometimes it swims against uh, the grain of, of what would be, you know, possibly conventional wisdom. It is, I do think it is good that they cater to all sorts of audiences, but I am also, you know, personally happy as much as I've grown to understand and, and know so much about the game. I'm grateful that you're still there and, and you know, cracking the jokes and, you know, focusing on those characters. That's something I personally enjoy uh, as a consumer of the game. Um, we talk about characters and this sort of, I want to circle back to mixed games a little bit. Like me, yeah, I know you're a huge proponent of the mixed games, um, you know, and we know, we see that No Limit Hold'em has become more and more solved. People are studying it. Um, you know, it's, it's a little bit drier perhaps uh, than it used to be. Um, and I guess perhaps except with the, the exception of the main event, where it's just so many people that you can still find, you know, your characters here and there, perhaps there are fewer characters or old school style characters that we used to see from back in the day, still active, making deep runs on televised poker broadcasts. I'm wondering that as far as mixed games, is that where the characters are hiding? Maybe we should be focusing and, and doing a little bit more mixed game TV broadcasts and, and can bring those, those stories, those colorful characters out. What do you think? Well, in the old days, when we were doing some bracelet events other than uh, the main event, uh, we did some mixed games. And every time I brought up that we should do mixed games, it was like my, my ticket to, one, being left out of the meetings to plan the World Series coverage, oh. and two, it could have been my ticket to getting fired because they all looked at me like, we're not doing more mixed games. We're not doing more mixed games. People don't understand mixed games. I believe, first of all, as far as the character goes, Robbie, every, everybody's got a story. So, I mean, is, is Amarillo Slim going to be more interesting naturally than, say, Nick Petrangelo? No offense, Nick. Yes, Amarillo is going to be more uh, interesting than Nick Petrangelo. But all these, even these young guns who unfortunately have spent most of their lives in front of a computer screen and solving the game that way, everybody has some type of story. It's hard to find it. But we need to bring out those stories more. Now, some of those, the young guns, like when they play those super high rollers, there's a lot of money involved. They're, they're not concerned about their character. They're not concerned about talking up at the table. They're concerned about making the best decision every time so they can want a half a million dollars or a million dollars or more. But that, that kind of ignores the big picture of the growth of poker to me. We, you know, again, before we even get to television, if you go to, if you or I go to a poker table and everybody is hoodie, sunglasses, headsets, and, and, you know, playing GTO poker, I'm going to leave pretty quickly. I'm there to socialize. I'm there to have a good time. So we need to be more cognizant of other people. There's no game. You know, if you're, if you, if, if you're, if you are not, if you are sending the people who lose out the door all the time for one reason or another, you don't have a game. You, you have to be cognizant of that. You To win, you need to have losers. You need to make the losers comfortable. You need to make more people want to come in and play for various reasons. So to ignore them and to hood up and shade up and headset up is just stupid from a business standpoint. Mm. So I do believe that poker players, especially the ones who are professionals and are trying to make their living from the game and are trying to do a brand, need to be more cognizant of the big picture. Every decision that's made shouldn't just be, oh, what's best for me? Sometimes what's best for you is actually what's best for other people around you, and you have to sacrifice a little. Right. When we go to TV, it's the same thing. They need, you know, if you want more people to come into the game, you got to present yourself better. So that's why I claim, you know, sure, one of the advantages of poker is you can come in and flip flops and shorts and a tank top, 
and like you haven't shaved for two weeks. But people don't necessarily want to be around that. They don't want, necessarily want to see that. So you got to be more cognizant of presenting yourself like a business. So on TV, we need, I think we should dress better. We should act better. We should, we should have fun. And that makes for a better game. I do find when I play with the younger guys, uh, mixed game younger guys are having a better time than no limit hold'em younger guys. I don't know why. And some friend of mine who are younger, no limit hold'em guys, I go, listen, you know, the game's being solved. It's almost like bots can play it. You, you, you know, you could step into the mixed games have a better time and you're going to outplay us. You know, we're not getting any better. We're just casual guys playing. You could actually have a better chance to win more money, win bracelets. If you start playing mixed games, like some of these other guys are doing yep. and some of them do that. And some of them don't, they just stay with the no limit holder. But I do believe that mixed games is a great way to grow poker. Sometimes if, you know, if you, if you go into the supermarket, if they only sold bread and milk, you might not, you might stop, you know, you need bread and milk, but you might stop going there because you're just right. tired of bread and milk. So yeah, that's why they sell pastries. That's why they sell uh, uh, cold cuts. That's why they sell other things. P the poker room should just not have no limit hold'em. There should be other stuff that's available. So if that game's not good or it's filled up, all right, I'll go play pot limit Omaha, or maybe I'll go play stud. And believe it or not, it's, it's not like putting your hand into boiling water and it's going to get you, you're going to go, ow, that, that you, you, it, it burns your hand. You go sit down at a, a deuce to seven triple draw game. You go sit down at uh, Omaha eight game. You might enjoy it. Yep. And you're not going to burn your hand and it's but, limits. So you're not going to get crushed. So exactly. I do think that people such as, you know, you should do as you and me do. Uh, you know, we're smarter. We're smarter than the rest of them. We understand the whole mixed game thing, but they should embrace the mixed games. And it just makes for a bigger poker community in the long run. And plus people have more fun playing the mixed games. I do hope and I do think that that slowly but surely that message is getting out there as far as, you know, folks dressing better. Um, I, I, I know I've seen in, in recent years uh, some of the players who've made the final table of the main event. They did step it up a little bit. They wore the blazers. They wore a bow tie. Uh, I, you know, I, I think it was Max Silver wore, wore the bow tie. Uh, Dario Sammartino, I think, wore a suit very finely tailored. So I do think, you know, slowly but surely that message is, is seeping in. Uh, but it's certainly good to uh, repeat that sort of a message. Um, one other interesting I don't know, kind of unique thing that's happened as a result of this pandemic, a new form of poker, so to speak, uh, a new venue perhaps has emerged, but accidentally. Uh, I'm referring specifically to, you know, the California scene where the weather is still wonderful because of the regulations. They said, well, you can still play outdoors. So a lot of the casinos, I know Commerce, they built this huge tent uh, and they've got with the plexiglass with everything and you're playing outdoors, you know, the, the tables are full. I don't know if you had a chance yet to go and play, but what do you think about the idea of playing poker outdoors? Do you think it'll catch on long-term? You know, certain things are meant to be indoors. Certain things are meant to be outdoors. Certain things are meant to be behind closed doors. Certain things are meant to be out in the open. I did get a chance just coincidentally yesterday to go buy my, home casino hollywood park uh to see what it looked like uh they had reopened for outdoors uh earlier this week and i have no intention of of playing live poker uh until we we have the COVID thing all wrapped up as best as we can mm -hmm. uh yeah it was it, here's my and again people want to you know people want to gamble robbie so i i walked around uh hollywood park just like you said the commerce huge large tent uh plexiglass masks and all that and it, it's it's almost again poker is very social, 
so it 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 almost defeated the social purpose of it. You're you're in a, you're you can't eat at the table. You can't drink. You can't eat at the table. Obviously, you don't want to take your mask off. You're you got plastic barriers between all of you. You really you don't talk to anybody else. You got a mask on. It's almost the equivalent of playing online poker, <laughs> except you have to drive to get there, right. and then you're not talking. <laughs> So uh, actually, I play an online Zoom game now. I was never going to play online poker at home or a cash game, but because it's Zoom, I play it because it's social. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, the outdoor poker, it's an option if the weather's good enough. So I, I have nothing against it. If people want to play outdoors, that's fine. But it, right now, it's, it's, it's an in-between solution, and I, don't, and I don't even know whether we should be doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I've always thought that poker rooms were like the la- among the last things on the list that should reopen under covid there's just, you know, we could do everything we're talking about, as you mentioned, you mentioned before about the chips, the chips alone, yeah, the chips alone, they got a, you know, they're a bigger germ factory than any Rio bathroom. Uh, those, those chips alone, I mean, everybody's touching the chips and stuff. So I just don't know if live poker is the smartest decision to go rolling back into uh, at the beginning of this, of this pandemic until we get solved and get and get all quarantined so yeah even though i went by there to say hi to some dealers say hi to some floor people i went and they asked me if i wanted a seat will i be coming back soon i told them i, I will not be coming back soon and yeah. that i hope we get this all under wraps as quickly as we can and then we can return to live poker as we know it i just i don't other than the fact that you get to gamble i don't see all the advantages of driving to go play under mask with plexiglass uh and not talking to anybody except that you get to gamble Right. So I, 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 you know, of course, you know, it's to each their own, you know, I think there are people I know myself, you know, I haven't been to a poker room in a year as well, because we just don't have them here. But uh, something just sometimes just got to get that fix. I don't know if it's necessarily advantageous, but you just got to scratch that itch sometimes. But like you said, hopefully it's all under control soon. Uh, again, both of us, we're, we're people who play for the enjoyment of the game, uh, the friendly uh, banter among the, the participants at the table. One of the questions we like to ask here at the Cards Chat podcast, who is the friendliest player you've ever sat with at the felt over the years? Who I've ever sat with at the felt, you know, this is weird because I don't know if he's, I wouldn't call him the friendliest player, but one of the most engaging and funniest players I've ever sat with was the late Sam Grizzle, mm-hmm. who Sam Grizzle, who uh, uh, is, is famous, you know, for his, that the early Phil Hellmuth, Sam Grizzle back and forth at the World Series main event the first year or two we were doing it. Sam has a really cutting sense of humor sure. and he, he's just really quick on his feet. And when you sit with him, it's like you feel like you should be paying, you know, $10 cover two drink minimum to just listen to him over the course of the hour or two. And he'll be killing you. He'll just, he'll just tell you how stupid you are and this and that, but he is so funny. And I just, you know, I got a chance to play with him twice at world series events. And uh, both times I was with him for a couple of hours and it, it's just one of the most memorable times I have playing poker at the world series was with, with Sam Grizzle. Oh, happy to hear that's, that's really cool. It's always good to, you know, heap praise, uh, among uh, legend, you know, uh, on, on legends of the game, uh, especially those who you know you only see on cameras, you know, you know, with the, a little bit of an aggressive personality. That's a pretty cool story to hear. Um, I know from having played with you, a couple of your favorite games are Omaha Eight and Stud Eight. Uh, if we're going to go ahead and try to you know spread the mixed game gospel, uh, why should players try those games? And maybe you have a a tip or something like that. I don't know if the Norman Chad school of poker is still around, but uh, maybe a tip for each of these games and, and why people should play. Well, you know, the, most of the Norman Chad school of poker does not involve strategy. 
that does involve, you know, etiquette, how to dress, how to act and all that. And one of the things that when you go out to play poker, nobody likes to sit there and fold all day. And, you know, no limit hold them. If you're playing anything close to correct, you got to sit there and fold all day. So one of the great joys of the mixed games like Omaha 8 or Stud 8 or Potlum in Omaha uh, is that you get to play a lot more hands. That, that alone makes it more fun. You know, so you're just not sitting there folding you know, almost every hand until you pick up something. You can play all sorts of hands uh, in, in Omaha 8 or Stud 8 or Potlum in Omaha. And the great thing about Potlum in Omaha, again, since, since no one can push all in before you can only bet the pot, you get to see a lot more flops. Right. So you get to see flops and then you can make your, your, your big decisions and putting in more money. But that alone is my advice to why you should play the other games. And also once, you know, you, you know, two cards are boring. Omaha, you get to see four cards. Big O, you get to see five cards. There's not even a six card Big O. Why don't they just all give us our own deck and we'll all just go through the deck and go, oh, I got a well play. I got a wheel. But anyway, the, the, when you have more cards, it's more fun. There's different strategy involved. And also the, the thing about the limit games, they are less stressful. When you do play No Limit Hold'em, obviously at any given time, your entire stack can be at risk and you can right. lose it all. You, it, it, the limit games, you, it's one bet at a time. So again, you've got to make intelligent decisions and one bet at a time, you can lose the mortgage, but it, you, you, it's less stressful. And we drink more at mixed games because again, it, nothing is a life or death decision or a stack decision. Uh, you make a mistake, you make a mistake. Uh, I love it when we in mixed games when we're playing five or ten different games that you're, you you win a hand in which you're playing the wrong game. You're you're, you're playing you're playing stud eight, but they're playing stud, and well, you keep bouncing away because you got the great low. The, this guy's got an incredible hand. What could he have? They all fold to you. You're playing the wrong game, so you can win playing the wrong game in mixed games. That's delightful. You can't go to a bowling alley and start hitting tennis serves and they go, all right, you, 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 you've got 288. Yo, you got to have a ball in your hand. You got to roll the damn thing. In mixed games, you can play the entirely wrong game and you can be a winner. It, Who it, wouldn't love that? It, it is true. I've certainly been on the wrong end of those things happening and it's not fun. But when the whole table erupts in laughter, uh, it's really a one of a kind feeling. Um, I know you're a big fan. One of your favorite variants is double board Omaha high. Uh, and you're kind of you have an encyclopedic knowledge of all the, you know, the kitchen, the banana, the banana games, the kitchen table games. Um, how many variants of poker do you actually know? And is there one specific one that, that is your favorite or craziest game to play? Okay. First of all, before we go to how many variants I know, we go to double board. I don't know if you were there the first night. I think you might have been. So we we, we were playing the, the media group would play mixed games, you know, very inexpensive mixed games. So it seems like I lost a lot of money. Uh, that Drew Amato is a, he's a beast. Uh, he just he doesn't care. He doesn't care if you if you have women and children in your lap, he will run over you. Just he just goes all in on every pot this drew Amato guy but anyway whatever night because i had never played double board before i've played eight that i've invented a million games and i love the games i've invented uh and uh we i think at that game i brought them uh double spit double draw or single spit double draw or double spit single draw anyway i had never played double board before and i think you might have been there that night i know we played double board at other media games but it's you know you're playing omaha you know you're just omaha high and you get two boards, you know, so you can, you can actually scoop both boards. You know, you, you get two separate boards. You know, both the flops come down at the same time. Both the turns come down at the same time the river. And after you play double board for a while, and I've introduced it to other people, it's like next to impossible to play one board ever again. I mean, double board is double the fun. It's double everything. You have two chances 
You just can't even get out of hand. You got two boards to look at. You know, you, if, if this hits, if that hits, if this, it's so much fun. So double board uh, is probably my favorite new variant. And now I play in a, to talk about different games, I'm playing in an online Zoomed poker game, which is a 23-game mix. Wow. Okay. Wow. So, and we play double, they play double board. And when the double board comes, no matter how tired I am on my couch, I get up, I celebrate it's double because you only cut you know, 23 games. A game only comes by every two, two and a half hours. Sure. So uh, when double board comes, I get very excited. But so these, I, I, when I started playing this game, Robbie, about one third of the games I had never played before. And a couple of them I'd never heard of. Uh, and I'd never played Archie. And I, I hope I never play Archie again. Uh, Archie, <laughs> Archie, Archie, really, Archie, I would put, you know, this is going to be a strong statement. But I would put Archie up with Al Qaeda as a threat to the future of civilization. Archie's just stupid. You go look up Archie, and it's just stupid. But uh, we play, you know, we play Bodusi, we play Badesi, we play Juice of Seven Dramaha, we play Drama Doogie, we play Dramaha, we play something called Blendum, which is played nowhere else in the world. I never heard of Blendum before, and it essentially ends up being an Omaha Eight game. But it's it's really weird. Blendum, Blendum is actually an acquired taste. If I can just describe Blendum briefly for you uh it's like a it starts out like it's hold them but it ends up omaha eight everybody gets two cards like you wouldn't hold them yeah and you bet it's a high low game and you bet okay then when you get the flop comes down you get a third card when the flop comes down uh-huh and then you bet when the turn comes you get a fourth and final card with the turn and right. then you bet and then uh -huh. the river comes and at the end it's omaha eight and it's amazing uh, that the fabric of your hand can change, especially if you want to play badly. The fabric of your hand changes so remarkably with that flop in another card and that turn with another card. It's just, it's incredible. You can go from, you can go from 0% to the nuts. You literally go from, you have no chance because of the, the way it just. And it, and it, it sounds like you can go from big stack to felted also if you play well, too yeah, many. Play limit. But you, you literally can start with king, queen in your hand on that, that first two cards. And on the, and, and, uh, by the turn, you've made a wheel. Think about that. You start wow. king queen, and then your next card is a wheel card, and the flop comes down with three wheel cards or something, and then the turn. You, it's just it's an amazingly fun game, and particularly if you're drinking. So yeah, I I love all the different variants. Uh, and again, for home games, you know, we never played No Limit Hold'em or any. You know, we've never played Hold'em in a home game until the Poker Boom game. You play everything else. You know, you play wild. You know, jacks jacks are better. Deuce is wild. Baseball and all that. The, the variants are just a lot of fun. Well, I, I couldn't agree more. And again, I know perhaps that, you know, they, you know no, no Limit Hold'em, of course, is the most popular variant, but, you know, we've given a little bit of a taste of how fun uh, mixed game poker can be. Uh, Norman, we just have a couple questions left before we get into the community questions segment of the show. Uh, so uh, just to sort of wrap up the questions I have to ask, uh, I know that uh, heads up matches to settle beefs in the poker world seem to be pretty popular right now. So my question is, uh, when do when can we see Norman Chad versus David Tuckman or versus Jeff Platt heads up Omaha eight for rolls or or maybe uh, we're just going to go old school and have an MMA fight? OK, uh, I have never thrown a punch in my life, so we're not going old school. <laughs> uh, OK, and one person tried to punch me once in a bar and he missed. He was drunk. He grazed me on the shoulder. Before he was back, uh, he was so mad at me. So yeah, I've never been in a fight, so we're not going MMA. Uh, I would love to play Tuckman or Jeff Platt for whatever you're talking about, but as far as uh, like worldwide interest in that, 
you know, unless we're doing something ridiculous, you know, like in the nude, uh, which is actually that's not worldwide interest. That's probably criminal. Uh, I just don't see there being an overwhelming pull or ground roots movement saying, oh, we need to see Tuck and Norman or Tuck and Jeff Platt or whatever uh, playing heads up, whatever. I think you'd be surprised. We have a 300,000 strong community here at Cards Chat. So we're just sort of, uh, you know, the canary in the coal mine here. Maybe, maybe it's coming. Um, my final question for you, Norm. Um, I personally was a really, really big fan of watching the Poker Go original show, The Big Blind. Uh, for those who haven't seen it, it's a Jeopardy-style show hosted by Jeff Platt. Uh, be sure to check it out on Poker Go. I, I think it's really nice. Um, spoiler alert, you know, this was a year ago, so I think we can say you were the winner of season one. Um, and it seemed to me, you know, I was watching every episode, you were pretty darn dominant uh, on, you know, throughout your path to victory. So first of all, how did you spend your $15,000 in prize money? And second of all, is there anyone in the poker world you feel is your match uh, or someone who you'd be a little not so confident facing uh, as far as gambling and poker trivia? Well, there's a lot. First of all, I thought I would be a first round loser in that because mm. I, I didn't know what it was going to be about. And again, the big band, the, the big blind, I think it was three or four categories. It would have been like poker, gambling, Las Vegas, uh, entertainment, whatever. They're mostly uh, Las Vegas and gambling related categories. But I'm not particularly like in Jeopardy. I would, I would, if I ever went on Jeopardy, I would be in third place out of the three players. I'm just not a very good Jeopardy player. They told me, nah, you'll be, you'll be better than a first round loser. You know, look, you look, you're up against Mike the Mouth. I mean, what the hell? You know, you're up against these, say, these people know nothing. And actually, the younger guys there, uh, I didn't realize that again with things like Las Vegas history, entertainment history, if you ask them who the Rat Pack is, they might not know who the Rat Pack is. Mm. Some of the questions were like that. So some of these things that come more natural to me, just as I've been around longer and I pay attention, I was better at than I thought I'd be. But as far as who would who would I be bad against? Listen, I beat Alex Jacob. He's like a six-time Jeopardy champion. He's one of the best players in Jeopardy history. And I beat him. I beat Ben Yu, who's he's he's playing he's playing this big blind GTO. He's he's, he's got he's got he's, can't believe he's got strategy here. He got strategy. I got really lucky to beat these guys. So when I won those three or four matches and end up beating these people, and I did get lucky in some some really big spots. I got lucky. Like even when I was wrong. I was wrong less than they were, so I still won. Like sometimes you'd have to you know, pick a number, right. uh, you know, whatever. You know, how many uh, I forget some of it might go uh, you know, millions had, of had, dollars of revenue in the state of Nevada for gambling. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. right? So I, let's say it's fifty million and I said eight million, somebody else the other person said six million. So I was way off, but the other person was off. <laughs> so I got really lucky in some big, big spots. Uh I would not I am retired from that game. Uh I'm not gonna be running. <laughs> okay, first of all. I, I could never win it again. Second of all, I will never spend any more quality time with Jeff Platt. Third of all, he is a, the greatest game show host I've ever been, and I think he should stick to game show hosting. That's his number one skill. Uh, so, yeah, people who could beat me, they can line up real people to beat me the next time. There will not be a next time. I will retire undefeated. I won't be like a boxer coming back into the ring because he needs another 15K. Oh, I don't even remember spending the 15K. Uh, right? I, I don't even remember what happened to the 15K. <laughs> Taxes are a pain. Um, so now we're going to go into the uh, segment of the show where we turn to you guys who are watching or listening in the Cards Chat community. Uh, let's see what questions you wanted to ask our guests. Of course, we have a dedicated thread for it in the Cards Chat forums. Uh, we've got three of our regular contributors of questions here. Thank you so much. First off to Acid Burn FX. Uh, we appreciate that you submitted these. 
Uh, Norman, what would you do if you knew that the world was ending next week? Well, okay, that saves me one more water and power pavement. Because uh, <laughs> they are, if you, if you are late one day here in Los Angeles, they cut you off. So <laughs> first thing that would come to my mind, I'm good to go for the next week. I don't have to worry about water and power because my bill is paid through the end of the month. Uh, I would, uh, first of all, I would find my wife, Tony, mm. ask her to, you know, will you talk to me again before the world ends in the next week in case we're in a bad spot uh, with each other. And if she says no, then I would just go straight to Ben and Jerry's and get a New York uh, chocolate fudge chunk, mm. uh, largest one they have, because uh, I love I love Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Good and stuff. Fudge chunk. Good stuff. Uh, well, perhaps related, the second question Mr. Acidburn FX asks is, what is the most selfish thing you've ever done? You know, waking up every morning is pretty damn selfish uh, and, and nobody really wants to see me. But uh, the most selfish, I've done a lot. I mean, you know, I, I can't, I, I'd have to think about that. Like if I put, I could take a legal pad and fill it with selfish things just from any given year of my life, uh, which I, I, you know, I hate to say, but I, I hope to be, I've hoped to become more selfless over the last several years. The most selfish thing I've ever done. I guess it was, and this is going to seem like a predictable, predictable answer, but uh, it was uh, ending my second marriage uh, because uh, that's the only that's the only time I ever left somebody, and uh, my wife did not want to end that second marriage, but I knew it was wrong for us, so I ended that marriage. It was very painful for us, and that was very very selfish. And I left her in a very very bad way, but they've been leaving me in a bad way for a number of years, so that's just one in my corner. It's like six to one. <laughs> Surprising answer. I did not expect that one, but you always get some great questions and certainly some great answers from our interviewees. Um, our next uh, person who submitted questions for you, Norm, is Shells, also who's been uh, very kind in submitting some wonderful questions uh, over the last few episodes. Uh, Shells asks, with all of the WSOP color commentary you've done, which event was the most memorable for you? Well, you know, it's an easy answer on that because everything's always most impressionable when you first do it. Uh, nothing nothing really can ever top that first year. So mm. the, the whole Chris Moneymaker thing, uh, particularly the final table, particularly the way it played out, uh, was just a gas. And I, I had no, by the way, I had no idea it was then going to become uh, a phenomena sure. and that we would take off with the boom. That I had no idea of, but just, just experienced that for the first time. I'd never been to tournament poker before. I'd never been to the World Series poker before. I'd never done poker broadcasting before. Hmm. Then even interviewing the players as they got knocked out, I asked a, a stupid question to almost every single one of them. Uh, I had to live with that. I asked a stupid question to either Sammy Farha or Chris after the, the heads up was finished. And after I came down into the crowd, I forgot the stupid question was, Devilfish Oliot, who I did not know at the time, came up to me, put his arm around me, and said, "You have you have no business doing what you're doing. You have no idea what you're talking about." And hey, thanks, thanks for coming. You know, and he was he was right pretty much. But I, I who comes up to you, you know, at this moment just to tell you you're 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 you're, you're, just, you're a stinker. You're the worst. And uh, so I always remember Devilfish telling me that uh, we got along swimmingly after that. So the first one by far is the most memorable. Excellent. Well, he was certainly not someone to uh, to refrain from speaking his mind. Uh, Shell's second question. Uh, I guess uh, I'll have to add a little. Besides the Uka Luka, uh, is there anything new that you've picked up as a hobby over the last year or do during your spare time? 
uh, besides Uka Luka, uh, I have been writing more serious songs. Uh, I don't know why, uh, but again, I've always made up songs in my head, either with a top 40 tune or my own tune. And so I just decided to start dabbling in that. And in fact, I've been trying to sell, I made up a song, which I claim is a, uh, is a new national anthem for the United States. It's a song of diversity. It's Ooh. a song of hope. It's a song, a song of positivity. And I've been trying to shop that around. And uh, every time I've tried to shop that around, they've told me, don't let the door hit you on the way out. And, uh, it's a little creaky. Just do the knob a little. But yeah, I haven't been able to do that. But in my spare time, uh, when I can't fall asleep, uh, rather than watch TV, which I normally do, or, or read poker stuff, I've been writing songs and hopefully uh, somewhere along. And that's what made me happy. It'll make me happier again if one of them can find some traction. Excellent. That's good to tap into that creativity. Uh, the last person to submit uh, some questions, we got a few here, uh, is uh, Crystal, C-R-S-T-A-L-S. Thank you so much for putting these through. Um, Norman, when did you first meet Lon? I remember the he was sitting at the end of the bar, the big lug, uh, <laughs> drinking glue and coffee. God, what a, he had like a, a glow about him. And I tapped him on the shoulder and he went, ooh. Anyway, when I first met Lon, uh, I did not know Lon uh, until the 03 World Series. So I would have met him. We both would have met. Uh, we were told we would be doing this. I don't even know if we spoke on the phone before we met. We met on like day one or two of the 03 main event uh, at Binion's. And we just, yeah. even then, I didn't know if we were going to hit it off. It's, and I didn't know if we were going to be doing this this long. But that first year that we did it, we hit it off, which is obviously a blessing because we've been doing it for this long. But uh, I don't remember even having any impression of Lon when I first met him, other than he was a lot taller than I was. And his and voice, still is. He still is. And actually, I've lost an inch. I can't believe I've, I'm a one inch shorter than I was 15 years ago, which is ridiculous. Uh, so I just remember he was very tall and that his voice, and I had not really heard his broadcasting voice that much. Uh, his voice in person is similar to his voice on the on the broadcast, which is kind of bothersome. Like, you, you know, you go to, you go to IHOP and oh, hell, those steak and eggs, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, I mean, everything's, yeah, everything's a production. Everything's Columbia school of broadcasting. Can we just not just write down your order on it's, it's early in the morning. I don't need the booming voice, but that's the only thing I thought about him when I first met him. He's tall and he's got a booming voice. Interesting. The next question shells asks, I'm uh, sorry. Uh, crystals asks is how do you come up with your catchphrases? Uh, yeah, they're they're by some of them are by accident, uh, and once in a while I'll say something that's like what we would call a one-off, just you know, just something off the top of my head, and then I think about it a week or two later, or a month or two later, and I decide to use it again. But uh, the two that I used most in the early years, uh, squad douche was just something I've been saying since college. We used to walk around in college even before playing poker, and if we were having a bad day. We'd go, man, you know, I I, and I got squad douche. Just I got nothing, nothing, nothing's going right for me. I got squad douche. So squadoosh sound like something that you got nothing. It's, you know, it's like a, a version of squat. I think squat is a word and squat might mean very little or nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't remember how I came up with wamboozled. Uh, I just know I liked the sound of it the first time I said it. I had no idea that I was going to use that again and again. People think it was bamboozled, but it's that, which is a word. Wamboozled was something I have no idea how it's so long ago. I have no idea how I came up with it. And then it just became something that people like to, they used, they used to tell me, they used to walk up to me after the first couple of years, you know, I don't want to get wamboozled, but I'd love to hear you say, uh, you know, if he doesn't get a six on the river, he is wamboozled. So I just kept doing it and I hardly do it anymore, particularly on a live telecast. It doesn't set up the same way uh, to use squad boots and wamboozled. 
Sure. And how about the the Deacon Demons? That's just me asking. Yeah, that was a, that was going to be a one time thing. <laughs> uh, you know, it, I, it, it 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 and that was that was some small school that somebody went to, and I always liked the Steely Dan's. First of all, I'm from. Uh, Atlantic Coast Conference country in the U.S. I went to the University of Maryland, which was in the ACC. Wake Forest was in the ACC. Demon Deacons is Wake Forest's nickname. There is a Steely Dan song, uh, Demon Deacons, which is a great song. I uh, like most of Steely Dan's music. So some small school, you know, so, you know, Joe Blow went to Trinity International. I, I believe they're the Demon Deacons. <laughs> and just for some reason, I did another Demon Deacons with another small school. And then I did it again and again. And then every year I just switched to another ridiculous college nickname. And then one of the producers suggested to me that he thought it was funnier when it was European schools that no, you know, because in America, we don't even know these schools are, these are schools I couldn't even pronounce half the time. You know, I do some long Italian or I'd mangle Italian, French or German, you know, uh, I believe they're the raging Cajuns. So I enjoyed doing that. And again, something bothered some people, Robbie, most people loved it, but I get, I get emails, stop that stuff. I go, you know, it, it, it takes up less than 10 seconds of a telecast. And if it bothers you, just mute it for that moment because it, it just makes me smile. Uh, it brings back some wonderful memories of, of watching the shows. Uh, just two last questions here um, from Crystals. What is what is the one poker event that you have not played in or covered that you would like to do so once after the pandemic is behind us? You know, actually, with the World Series of Poker, uh, we don't have the benefit. We, we cover we cover World Series circuit events once in a while which will take you to you know, Tunica, uh, Atlantic City, maybe Hamden, Indiana. Okay, it's not, it's not like a world-class tour. It's just, so the World Poker Tour gets to go to a lot of different places. I used to joke with Mike Sexton about, you know, you're going to Monte Carlo, I'm going to Biloxi. Uh, nothing against Biloxi, but it's a small town. He's going to- you It's know, no Monte Carlo. Carlo. <laughs> no Monte Carlo. So we don't get to travel a lot with the World Series of Poker. And if I could travel, you know, I got to do the World Series uh, Asia in Melbourne, uh, which was delightful to get there. You know, we're there on no sleep and the layover, you know, the time difference. And we're just in a casino all the time. I'd love to go to uh, Aussie Millions. I like to go back to Australia. So I just I like to travel. So I know people, for instance, love going to the to to the Caribbean uh, always for that fall. uh, Big poker stars, whatever that is in the in the winter where everyone goes for a month at that great festival. I'm not big on, on sunshine and beaches and warm weather. I just like to go to big cities. So, you know, I've been to most of places in Europe. I would love to go either to like Hong Kong for an event or to play in the Aussie millions to any mix of events they had. Very cool. Well, I hope those dreams come true for you. Uh, and finally, Norman, if you couldn't broadcast poker ever again, what would you want to do instead? Broadcasting wise, it's always been a dream of mine and it's a dream deferred and it's not going to happen is, uh, believe it or not, bowling. I love the bowl. I always loved watching bowling on TV, uh, which my friends would look at me like I was crazy. It's the same thing every time. They roll it down the lane and it's a strike. Yeah, I don't care about that. Yeah, it is. Uh, And again, I would love to do bowling on TV like we do poker on TV. So we're not talking strategy. We're not talking oil patterns, which are very important in bowling. We're not talking about equipment. And he's got this ball for the strikes and this ball for the spares. And he's got to switch to a lower res ball. I just do bowling like poker. I love the bowlers. I love bowling. And I think uh, bowling uh, is actually – bowling, by the way, is very quick. You know, you yeah. it's, it's like a baseball game or a golf tournament. Each bowling match is over in 20, 25 minutes. So I love the fact that you get from the beginning to the end, 
with sometimes a great finish every 20 to 25 minutes. So one two-hour broadcast has four great matches. I love doing bowling, but I don't think it's going to happen. Well, I remember as a kid, I used to watch the uh, ABC Wide World of Sports and, you know, uh, Walter Ray Williams Jr. and Pete Weber were pretty exciting, but I'd be interested to hear uh, Norman Chad on commentary while they're They're still playing, by the way. You were watching that a long time ago. Both those guys are still around and and still uh, competing for titles. That's good. Well, how about that for for some name checking on bowling? Didn't expect that from a 39-year-old guy in Israel, right? <laughs> no, I didn't. I Nobody, first of all, no one watches bowling in general, but anyone under 40 tell me about bowling on TV? Oh, you know, if, if, if you weren't in Israel and the laws were different and I were 20 years younger, we would be getting married next week. <laughs> Well, I, t- I turned 40 in November, Norman, so you know what to get me, a bowling ball. Uh, thank you very much to everyone who sent in questions to Norman Chad. Of course, just a friendly reminder to our Cards Chat community, we would love to see you submit your questions every time we announce that there's going to be a future podcast guest. Uh, we've got a dedicated thread on the forums where you can go ahead and submit your questions. We'll give you some nice shout outs and hear from you guys and, uh, you know, get the uh wonderful interviewees to answer your questions. Uh, Please be sure to give us a good review on iTunes and spread the word via your social media channels if you like the show. Norman, before we let you go, anything else you'd like to say to our audience? Yeah, actually, I want to give a shout out to your buddy. You know, when you asked me about the most enjoyable people to play with the table, and I meant the late, I talked about the late Sam Grizzle, uh, who actually could be a pretty mean and ornery guy, but again, he was very funny to be around. Uh, You translated the autobiography of Elia Lezra, uh, he is, I have had the pleasure of every time I play a World Series event, I don't play that many, I end up at Ellie's table eventually. Ellie is delightful to be around. Uh, my, one of my greatest memories is when I stone cold bubbled an event about four or five years ago in the World Series of Poker. Stone cold bubble, you know, it's, and he was trying to drag me across. He was trying to change the rules to let me, you know, he's telling people to fold, which he shouldn't be doing around the table. Who doesn't want Norman to cash? And anyway, he then when 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 I stone cold bubbled, he called over Jack Effel and said, "Let's let's have one more person uh, be able to to cash here. It's good for poker if Norman Chad cashes." Ellie is just delightful to be around, so I want to give a shout out to Ellie. And uh, of course, as you as I mentioned, you, you were able to translate his uh, wonderful autobiography into English. I don't know how you do that because Hebrew is impossible to translate into any other language. Thank you very much. And, you know, to those who are listening, uh, Ellie was uh, our guest recently on episode number 24 uh, of the Cards Chat podcast. Always a good idea to go back, listen all the way from episode one, uh, all the way through. Uh, Norman, thank you very, very much for joining me today. Uh, Thank you all for listening, for watching another episode of the Cards Chat podcast. I'm Robbie Straczynski. You can follow me on Twitter at Card Player Life. I wish you all a wonderful day. Cards Chat the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community.